listening. I appreciate you following. I appreciate your appreciation of what I do. And I've really been getting some great feedback on all the different podcasts I participate with in general, and especially with the space weather and shooting reports. Uh, There is definitely enough data coming in that I know this genuinely does help people and affect people and that we are not entirely helpless uh, to adapt to the changing circumstances of our environment and the different cycles that our planet and our sun go through. I recorded this with my wonderful friend Phoebe four months ago, and it's been such a strange period of time. I cannot say that loud enough, really. Uh, Between the changes in time perception, fluid time, time shifts, eclipses, um, all of the bananas, chaos in our 3D material reality, and uh, things in my own personal life, and all of your lives shifting in so many big ways and so rapidly. Uh, It can feel sometimes while that's happening like I am somehow dropping the ball on whatever it is that I have an expectation of myself that I will do on a certain schedule, not super rigid, but at any rate, uh, usually when an interview especially takes a long time for me to get out, there is a reason. And as usual, this is coming out at the perfect time. Phoebe and I grew up in the same generation in Northern California. We are first wavers, meaning that we came through with some of the first wave people to anchor in the new frequencies. And part of that came with a lot of confusion, isolation, loneliness, um, and unfortunately, it seems like for a lot of us, a certain heap of trauma that was in my own opinion, part of the mechanism that helped us to not forget when we got here. Not forget being star seeds or being parts of planets or whatever it is that we're remembering. Uh, my friend Serafina Blackman, co-host of Meow, and also Conscious Cronies podcast, watch for that trailer in the middle of today's episode. Uh, she said, sometimes I just forget different aspects because I'm kind of new to being a celestial embodiment. I did not know this was what I was before a year or so ago. And I was lamenting how I think I must know an hour or two ahead of when earth instrumentation picks it up. There's 
incoming solar activity. And she just <laughs> started laughing at me. And she said, oh, Andrea, you are an asteroid. <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard because she was absolutely right. If, I, if I'm a celestial consciousness and I'm still highly attuned to that part of my nature, even in this human experience, and I'm out in space, then yeah, I'm probably going to have a heads up. Oh my goodness. So enjoy this wonderful conversation. We talk a lot about time perception, the need to move on from suffering, that we do not have to keep doing this quite so roughly and the hard way like we have been. The whole point that people in Gen X and generations before came in ahead to anchor these frequencies and pave the way was to pave the way. The idea wasn't for you to crawl on your belly through the mud under the fence uh, as a lot of us did to pave the way for you to come and do it easier. And that doesn't mean you're spiritually bypassing anything. You know, it's just like the difference between uh, doing surgery with dirty hands and um, no antibiotics and doing surgery with clean, surgically washed, uh, sterilized hands and having antibiotics afterwards. So we're just, you know, giving you better tools so that you don't have to or need to go through months and months of suffering and healing. It truly can become easier. So Phoebe has wonderful wisdom about that, about growing up with an unconventional and sometimes traumatizing family, but how uh, as you zoom out and look at the big picture, as we gain more life experience, it's not that we're forgiving or excusing or dismissing anything other people did, but it just becomes easier to process it all from a more neutral a fully comprehensive place. And then we also talk about uh, her wonderful experiences with her late husband and much, much more. So dig in here. And also there was a lot of Schumann and solar activity at the time. So you will notice there are points in the audio that may or may not speed up really fast, but you can still kind of hear what I'm saying. It's usually my audio, which was kind of interesting, uh, but to be honest, not unusual for me, right? So without further ado, ado, here's Phoebe, and it's a long episode, so listen to half and come back later, but it is all worth listening to. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing about her story, and the fact that she and I are both had such wild upbringings, yet they're so similar. I think a lot of people from Gen X, especially those who grew up in, on the West Coast, uh, I have a feeling, will relate. So thank you, Phoebe, for coming on, and I love you, and I look forward to us talking about other amazing things in the future, and I love you. Welcome back, Galactic Groovers. I'm Andrea Leandra, Grooving Goddess, and I am so excited to have with me today to share her story and talk about some really fun, 
woo-woo and spiritual stuff, my good friend, Phoebe. Welcome, Phoebe. Hi. I'm happy to be talking with you. Well, I know we've been trying to get together and do this for a while, and uh, I know that you've had a lot of change in your end some chaos but good chaos in your life over the last couple of years and yeah. uh, you know I think your story is um, very important to be shared and so I thank you for coming on here to share it with us so where do, where would you like to start uh, well first I want to start um, just by expressing some appreciation for you and I I'm I'm just going to talk to you as if nobody else is ever going to listen um cuz otherwise I start getting too thinkery <laughs> and that's Oh yes, I totally get what you mean. This is yeah, just a chat so, between but us. Anyway, and... but, so as your friend, I want to give you props because and I've wanted to talk to you for so long and I don't have the patience to type out as much as I used to. I used to love thank you notes, but um, it's just easier for me to speak. I'm a Virgo. I have Mercury all over my charts. I love holding mm -hmm. forth. And what I want to say, though, is uh, your solar reports and your suggestions of taking the energy from the solar flares and banking it in your solar plexus. I started doing that and... Um, connecting with solar beings and that playful energy. And um, I understand, I still feel a lot of the pressures that everyone else is feeling, but I've been really greedy with taking as much energy as I can from the sun and feeding my solar plexus. And I've really felt like that silly 80s song, Walking on Sunshine. Like I've really felt fabulous from within oh. myself oh my gosh well that is amazing and thank you for saying that I'm really happy that that download that I got about doing that is truly helping people I know it helps me and yeah. uh it it I think it helps you it's sort of like surrendering to the activation and that co connecting with solar beings that's a whole side conversation because they just have right. found some different um, physics aspects happening on the sun and on the earth. And what I've been told, because I've started doing more celestial channeling now, and what I'm being told is that just like we're here doing grid work on the earth, that there are solar beings doing grid work on the sun and um, part of what came through in a session yesterday was that, because we were connected with Gaia and all of that, uh, was that just like, you know, they always talk about how the universe is always expanding. Expansion is the same thing as ascension. And so it's not just Earth uh, and humans having this experience. It's everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um even though to us down here sometimes I think we get in this human experience and are like well this is really freaking messy <laughs> it's good to remember it's just kind yeah. of a natural process just like every other process we go through right 
Well, yeah, I, um, I had my own kind of understanding things. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't like the phraseology that some people use. Um, and maybe that's the way they experience it. It doesn't work for me. I don't remember everything that happened to me. I have access to all of my memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only comes up really when it's necessary. Uh, but I do have, and the memories are different too. Um, there are memories that are not associated with thought at all. And those mm-hmm. are difficult to relate. But I do remember being in the womb. I remember what that was like. And I remember other incarnations. I don't even like to say past lives because <laughs> the more I'm beginning to remember um, as my understanding grows, the more it's becoming visceral to me how time is a construct and something that feels like I already did it may really have yet to have happened. Uh, Yes. Yes. And, and as I'm listening to myself saying those sentences, had I heard them five years ago, I would have said, Oh my gosh, here's another 50 year old who smokes way too much pot. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They kind of do sound like stoner thoughts, but you know what, Phoebe, we have had, I, I have had so many conversations just in the last month, especially, and I'm starting to hear mainstream people in, you know, media and pop culture use the language of time being a construct or time being fluid or everything is always happening at once, you know? Um, So you are right on track with that, I feel. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same for me. It's like the more, the more I expand and get closer to being able to experience uh, separateness and oneness at the same time, the more I have that same feeling and understanding. It's like, it just all is. So yeah, it becomes a much different experience. Yeah. Well, I, um, my experience of coming here again is, I don't want to (laughs) say I was reluctant uh, because I wouldn't have come. I don't ever do anything that I don't want to do ever. <laughs> even, even when I'm engaged in things that feel oppressive or confusing or awful, I, I never do anything I don't want to do because my understanding of my life, my entire life, since I felt like I had to defend myself, which was quite early. Mm-hmm. My understanding is, you can do what you want to my body, but I can always die. I don't have right. to do what you tell me. And my mom told me uh, after I grew up, because I was asking her, uh, I was a good kid, but also I was a terrifying child. And I uh, was, we were kind of joking about some pretty brutal scenes between she and I. And she said, you know, honey, you were the sweetest little girl. You wanted to make everybody happy and did whatever you could to please people. But 
if there was something you didn't want to do, it didn't matter what anyone did. You just wouldn't do it. And my mom mm -hmm. was this major Scorpio rising moon, Mercury, Mars, like crazy intensity. And, you know, she, she, uh, she was raised in really grinding, brutal poverty. Uh, mm. My grandfather was, um, well, my grandfather, uh, you know, let's, let's go back a little bit. Let me just slow down and do some <laughs> storytelling because I have an interesting family. Uh, my grandfather had 10 siblings. So all in all, there were 11 of them and they lived somewhere East. And when my grandmother died or great grandmother died, uh, the grandfather sent all the boys to orphanages and, um, yeah. And, and so him and his brother ended up in a, an orphanage where they were molested by priests and nuns and really abused. And so they ran away and it took them a while because after the mom died out east the the grandfather left the boys in an orphanage and took the girls to california so they hoboed it at eight and 11 years old to go find their dad because at least it was better than the orphanage wow. and, um, yeah and so um my my grandmother my mom's mom uh she was born to um, farmers in Walla Walla, Washington, fairly wealthy um, and definitely comfortable anyhow with a really large family. And she was a musical prodigy. And by the time she was 10 or 11, no piano instructor in town had anything to show her. So when she was 15, they sent her to study with some maestro in San Francisco who impregnated her. Oh, goodness. So she went back to the farm and, and um, her youngest brother is actually her son. It's that story. And so she went back wow. to San Francisco after that, ran wild for a while, um, and has some really licentious stories about celebrities. <laughs> and married a rich doctor and hated that. So she left him and ran off with my grandfather, the one who was hoboing at eight years old. Um, he was in the army, they got married. And um, I have so many relatives I will never meet because he helped seed <laughs> the population on his <laughs> tour. <laughs> um, he was a guard at POW camps for German prisoners. And um, he, he really thought that Germany was gonna win the war because he was terrified by the order that was maintained by the lieutenants or wh whoever had the highest rank within mm -hmm. the prisoners were obeyed absolutely. And um, yeah. But anyway, I sorry, I digress. So those two. That's all uh, fascinating, though. 
Yeah. So but <clears throat> it kind of, it does give a little bit of a flavor for, you know, these are just really fascinating people. And yeah, uh, with room to be who they wanted to be without being constrained by, you know, societal roles, name it, whatever, classism, racism, sexism, all the isms, you know, mm-hmm. without all the isms, they would just be really fascinating individuals. Um, but, and they still, they are fascinating individuals. I just have a very difficult time seeing even flawed people. And my grandfather was a fucker. I mean, he was a felon. He was violent. He was an arsonist. Uh, I think it was 1954 or 1955. He burned down like a four or five block radius in downtown Marysville. (laughs) um, Wow. Yeah. uh, I know I just keep saying wow, but I mean... And I get it, like that intense family history. Like, I just want to throw this out there before we even go on further, because uh, I really want to hear all about this. Um, that, like, what I'm getting is that you came into this this lineage, and just your existence has uh, transmuted a lot of that, like, forgiven a lot of that released a lot of things but anyway continue with your (laughs) what's that I I said so continue with your grandfather the arsonist (laughs) oh yeah 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 so um so anyway uh I I came in with um a great sense of responsibility because Mm -hmm. um memory works differently now evolution is not a straight line it's not as if the neanderthals were some primitive booga booga cave people like they had so much knowledge stored in the back of their brains and uh it's not that it's necessarily better to lose that it's much more convenient uh physiologically but it's not necessarily better to have all of that primal, nor, you know, uh, ancestral knowledge packed along with you. It's great. But mm-hmm. um, the, the thing with the prefrontal cortex is not to get so obsessed with mind and logic and fact, what even is that? It's that we have the ability to perceive and to alter our perceptions and access all the knowledge through our emotion. And when we're, when individuals are allowed free expression of their reality and allow the autonomy and the freedom to do what they choose with their energy without imposing on someone else's will, I I don't believe in such a thing as mental illness, though I've taken medications over time to help manage, you know, the symptoms of mm-hmm. living in this really constrained society. But when people truly have autonomy, you're not going to have a problem with 15-year-old boys being rambunctious because you let them go out and 
camp and ride horses and brawl or whatever, whatever they're mm-hmm. into. I mean, whatever the modern version paintball, like let them, but no, not even paintball. Like let, let them do something real. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's no room in society for people to do something real. And I, I didn't have this, um, I'm a lot more verbal and wordy than I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in order to process the amount of emotion that I have to, in order to remember and to know what's real, um, I, I have to manage in this world where words are sure they're illuminating, but they're used as, veils and mirrors as well and Mm -hmm. the manipulation is exhausting um I I came very consciously to my family interestingly my mother I have never been genetically related to her I have uh served her in a lot of different functions but um and not as a servant but I've attended to her because she was pretty fucking amazing uh but I have never been related to her and um you know we made an agreement she was perfect and anyway but my understanding is that I was going to help people like remember how to just live sensibly and uh and so I was tested on that can you hold on to this sense of balance and equanimity and can you truly walk through life with no enemies faced with um these conditions where you know in your home and your family where it should be a refuge um that's when you walk in the door and start yelling at your family like no it's the opposite it should be the one place where you can go and it's sanctuary and you put on your armor before you leave, mm-hmm. uh, if, if necessary, you know, but ugh, I'm not even really big into armor. Uh, and, and I tried to tell my mom about these truths, but I'm three years old <laughs> and I have to use words. And my mother was brilliant. Um, she would read a 600 page novel in an hour and a half completely comprehend it be able uh, she was just brilliant and she had the same incisive knowledge into human nature and um she saw exactly how fucked up everybody was in, in an effort or not in an effort but because she was able to see their glory and she was a realist anyway I digress but I would try to tell my mom about what was going on because my older sister, she's five and a half years older than me. Um, When my parents' marriage started to devolve when I was about a year and a half old, uh, my dad left when I was two and a half. Um, My sister uh, started taking out her frustrations on me and Mm. But she was sneaky about it, and it was all playing with the baby, but she was hurting me. 
and she was good at hurting me. You know, kids are kind of rubbery. And I was a clumsy kid because I was always terrified. So, oh, I was always, oh, how'd she get that bruise? Right. Yeah. Um, But I, I wasn't mad at my mom. I wasn't even, I just, I needed a break. And my mom was completely devastated because of her really deprived, um, brutal upbringing. She just, my dad was so beautiful and artistic and hardworking and, you know, they were born in 1943 and 1945. So she had very traditional ideas of, um, what she wanted. She wanted to have a beautiful life with this beautiful man and be a wife and have babies. And, uh, you know, I think that felt like a lot of pressure for my dad and he kind of wanted to just be a little more upwardly mobile, make a lot of money, have more stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he had an affair and left and it devastated my mom and she just went into a really dark place. And um, I'm going to talk, actually, I want to back up a little bit to remembering my mom loved me so much and before you're born it's um when people describe I've never taken psychedelics but when people describe transcendental experiences of just completely being connected to the oneness and like you are love and your Mm -hmm. your consciousness expands to encompass reality that's what it felt like for me before I was born um because of the force of her love, she loved ferociously. And it was complete bliss. I was born three weeks late. I weighed 10 pounds, two ounces. <laughs> I just loved it in there. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> and, but, but once I came, uh, I did emerge quickly. It only took me 45 minutes. Um, I didn't give her a lot of trouble on the way out, but I just took my time. (laughs) (laughs) And and then even after I was born, my memories are and sensation, but it was mostly just being encompassed like she was light. Uh, When they say babies can't focus, that's all they see is love. I mean, that's what my experience was. I know, you know, there are children born in other circumstances. That's, I'm, I'm privileged by birth. Um, and uh, when things started going bad with my parents, my mom's light dimmed. Mm. And, um, and I was worried about her. So I took what light was left. And I created a, a, a um, I guess I, we'll call it a portal. I didn't have a word for it, but it was a, a strand of light connected in my room to uh, my other mothers. And I kept going back to this one place that I knew. And I would wander around looking for my other mothers and... Uh, I couldn't find any of them. Um, But 
after a time, there was an old lady who called me Birdie. And um, she wouldn't really talk to me. She would just show me. I would ask her questions and she wouldn't answer in words, but she would show me like weird, wonderful toys or I called them toys because I was a little kid. Uh, you know, that was my vocabulary. But um, and then I would say, well, what is it? What do I do with it? And she said, well, you have to make it. And um, so I would just sit in my crib and with, with my hands, I stopped sleeping through the night and I would sing and uh, draw with my hands these patterns in light and then just let them float out. Wow. And, Amazing. Um, but so I, I started... Uh, you know, talking, and it's really cute when a two-year-old tells you about the light and the creatures and her friends, and it's really adorable because I, I spoke very early. I was very precocious. I read by the time I was three because I wanted more information. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and it was also, you know, entertaining storytelling is, but storytelling was also a, a job for me mm -hmm. and reading was a job for me. Um, anyway, oh, sorry. I sometimes get uh, an excess surge of energy and I lose my train of thought. I don't remember what we were speaking about. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, same thing happens to me too. And you're doing great. You were talking about looking for your other mothers and how you how it was cute. Oh yeah, or oh, little yeah, it's yeah okay. I think where you were going is as you get yeah. older, it's not so cute anymore. No, well, what it is is well, no, it's cute when a two-year-old talks about you know the beautiful creatures of light and you know the the my imaginary friends, and that's delightful. But when I start <clears throat> telling my mother about the darkness that is attached in the wall and the um, darkness that is attached to my sister and that my other mother can help. And I, I was trying, I didn't know, like it starts to sound scary because like your kid is right. telling you that what, what and, and my, my parents had no, no religion whatsoever, no sense of mysticism. My dad worshiped nature and my mother worshiped my dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, um, so there was no vocabulary for it. And then when he left and she's just alone in this darkness and I, I, I just, why am I'm this clumsy little crybaby and, you know, um, mm -hmm. it, it's scary. And, and I would get really demanding and I don't remember exactly the demands anymore because it's not necessary. Um, I've learned 
to get too much into details, suffice it to say, um, like my mom, when I would insist upon certain changes or safety or protection, and a lot of times I was trying to demand that she stand up for herself. Um, and I would be relentless. Uh, she would just pick me up by the hair and throw me against the wall. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but... And that was just the last resort when I just wouldn't stop and I couldn't stop and I would never have stopped because it was that important. So I didn't take it personally though, Andrea, I mm. understood that she was scared and didn't understand like, and so I just would redouble my efforts to figure out another way to help her. Um, and yeah, she wasn't abusive. Like she would yell at us a lot because she was frustrated and life was very difficult for her, but, um, she didn't like beat me. She didn't spank me to discipline me. Mm -hmm. It was just, she couldn't stand it anymore and she needed me to stop. And the thing that I really appreciate about that so much is she really did love me and just think I was wonderful. And um, I, I did feel treasured. And while I've suffered from incredible amounts of insecurity and shame at various points of my life, I've always really liked myself. I can't help it. I, I haven't always made the best decisions and sometimes I've done or said things that I know I'm going to regret just for the experience. And, you know, seriously, I continue to do it <laughs> sometimes because I, I want to just see what happens. And that's kind of an aggravating trait to have. Sometimes. <laughs> But, but I, I, can't, to it a I lot. can't help but like myself. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm Serafina. And I'm Andrea. Welcome, Welcome to, to Conscious Cronies Podcast. We are creating a safe space for other Conscious Cronies where we'll share wellness tips that actually work. With our combined experience of health challenges, we will shine a light on ableism and discrimination. And we'll share our spiritual journeys as health-challenged mystics. It's hard enough to manage disabilities without having a layer of disapproval and isolation on top of it. Even spiritual communities have ingrained ableism and shame those with disabilities through toxic positivity. Our experience is discounted along with our knowledge. But we want to change all of that by sharing our hearts, laughter, and occasional tears with all of you. Join, Join us in changing, changing the, the world. world. Liking yourself. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I just, I really can't help it. And I really attribute that to, um, you know, my mom was... Uh, really pretty reckless um, and and wild. Uh, she worked really hard, um, but she also 
partied really hard. She was very social. And, you know, I was dragged around to a lot of adult um, scenarios that I'm sure people would consider abusive. Um, But (laughs) interestingly, like, I really was always safe with my mom. I saw a lot of shit that I guess kids would be traumatized by today because they would haul them off to a therapist and say, Oh my goodness, are you okay? Right. You know, uh, but the, I I was susceptible to molestation because my mom was pretty neglectful and I, you know, Mm -hmm. had a babysitter who really gave me good nutrition and good care. And she taught me a lot of things about taking care of myself that, you know, I would not have learned from my mom. And, and that was great. And it wasn't, you know, it was kind of subtle. It was very inappropriate, you know, and so, and, and I was little And the thing was, I had always really idolized the women in my life. And you know how little kids are, will tell their dad or their mom, I love you. I want to marry you when I grow up. Well, Uh you know, it was always, for me, it was always the women in my life because, you know, of my mother, I was so oriented toward women and men, you know, in the seventies, I was born in 1970. They Mm. were just smelly, rude you know uh, horrible I you know I was always hiding behind my mom oh you know and so it is so how similar aspects of our life are I was born in 1969 so carry on but I'll come back Mm -hmm. to later there's so many parallels it is mind-blowing yeah um, <laughs> but. That doesn't surprise me at all because, um, I, like I said, it's for me, I, I do like to tell my story and talk about things that matter, but um, it is difficult for me to put so many things into words. And I just wanted to talk with someone who already feels like a friend, like I feel <laughs> like you were there with or you know, like you're the imaginary mm-hmm. friend that I wish would have been there. Like all the stuff that I would talk about that I see and my secret tree friends, everyone labeled them as imaginary. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, no, they're imaginary. I see them very well. They just don't talk to you because you're an asshole. Uh, <laughs> like, That's great. But, but I, I, I would, I did have various imaginary friends over the years because I spent a lot of solitary time in the woods um, preparing for the possible necessity of grabbing a bunch of other kids and setting off and just making our own society because I was really giving up on the adults. Um, Uh So when when I was alone uh, in the fields and vacant lots that I considered my woods, my forest, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I would talk to like various really best friends who really understood and were with me and knew what I was talking about and would 
take this adventure, you know, and mm-hmm. take it seriously, though. Like, everybody would play with me, and uh, I would tell fantastic stories of unicorns and dragons, and, you know, I would cast my light, and I would, you know, create these scenes, and, and I would spark their imagination, and I was like, okay, now let's go. And I was like, do you see it? And I would try to work them up because it was the 70s and already I studied the news and I watched what my mother watched and I saw motivational speakers. So I was like, okay, I'll try it that (laughs) way. So it was like, do you see it? Let's go. Hang on one second. (laughs) Okay. Um, my daughter, daughter, Sarah, I, she's newly adopted. Um, I met, I, I just met her recently. Uh, we met through a soberish group though, actually. Oh, how funny. Um, Yeah. I, I had already purchased my property in hot springs in 2019, but I didn't start talking to her online until 2020. And um, she made one comment about living in the sticks where no one understands what's going on. And I immediately knew, like, because I can recognize, I don't always remember exactly who it is, but I immediately recognized it was somebody from a past life. And Mm -hmm. I knew more or less the role they had played in a past life. And so I asked her where she lives. And uh, she lives 35 minutes from where I bought property in Hot Springs. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. who? That was a digression. <sighs> Miss Beecraft. Um, oh, anyway. Oh, so she has a lot of, um, like, alien interference and the energy around here is super weird and there are there are odd people popping up with bizarre stories and just Hmm. you know so I'm home alone with her her oldest who's not feeling very well today so he's kind of freaked Hmm. out well that's a bummer uh yeah but that's where I came here I came here because the energies are so weird, but I am very, very steady. Like I can feel a bunch of physical effects. Um, I have problems with my TMJ and, but it hasn't been bothering me lately at all. And, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't chewing. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't even swallowing. My jaw just locked up out of place. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of other weird body stuff. So I feel it, but I'm able to maintain a really steady energy and all the weirdness and the hostility for no reason. It like I it passes by me and like I get a little bit of delight. Like, all right, go ahead, try. Uh huh. That's really so great. I came over here because I can just hang out and and be chill and bring that into the equation, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh I'm geographically situated over uh a vortex and 
Um, it's like, it's just, it's very strange how I wound up here and how the magnetic anomalies in the valley give me certain advantages with all the solar stuff and the human activity. And um, when I go other places, I feel completely different in my body. It's, it's right. really strange. Uh, so I get what you're saying. So your mom, you you said um, early on in the story, you said that uh-huh. your you were never actually related to your mother. Do you mean? Uh, I meant I meant in past incarnations. I have oh, known okay. her mm-hmm. and I have attended her, but this is the only. I I call her my latest and greatest mom because. I agreed to come here this one last time and I've had conversations with my mom since she's died um, where I was just kind of shaking my fist at her like you are a crazy woman what the fuck and she laughed at me (laughs) she laughed at me and said yeah but look at where you are nobody else was volleying volunteering for this job you little cave woman like <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah so i mean my mom's my mom's super great but i don't even know if that's what we were talking about um <clears throat> no i was just curious about that one part because i wanted to make sure that I understood oh, it, yeah. no, and, and that it, yeah, and that it made sense. Yeah, no. Um, oh, and this is the thing; it was kind of a joke because um, in other existences, one thing that I really like to have is a very powerful, lovely, melodic voice, and you know, certain other physical attributes, whatever that I'm used to. But um, I completely, I, I'm a mini me of her. I look just like her. I have her same squawking voice when I sing and, (laughs) you know, everything, everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, walking on sunshine. I just wanted to throw that out there. I can't believe I never thought of that because I, I mean, I must've had that on repeat for at least a couple of years in the eighties. Um, and it's always been one of those songs that like, you know, I could be half dead and you play that and it'll give me some energy. So, uh, that is so perfect for the whole, um, solar plexus banking that solar energy and the Schumann energy too. Uh, so thank you for that reference. That's fantastic. Well, you know, um, I, when I, I've been using visualization based on, like I said, you talking about solar beings, and I hadn't ever considered there being solar beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you said Me it, I, I immediately connected with them. And so I've been using a visualization. Um, and I don't even want to call it a visualization. It's an experience where I slip into the middle of the sun and emerge out with the solar beings and I dance with them and I do this in times where because I do have ongoing situations where people are openly hostile to me that I can't entirely avoid on a 3D level um, mm-hmm. and and it does promote fear in me you know I've had PTSD since I was in preschool um, yeah 
And well, with your rough start, it's understandable. I think almost anyone who has that level of early trauma, um, yeah, some sort of PTSD. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, anyway, um, I'm going to not be distracted by the nonsense going out there because it is just. I, the reason I feel so steady is because the tide really has turned energetically and fear becomes um, a habit of emotion. It's just the thing that we've been programmed to limit ourselves to describing things as fear, anger, hate, love, jealousy. You know, there's so few, there's so few expressions and uh, Leo, my husband, who just recently died, um, he helped, uh, he, oh, it's, it is really distracting to me. Hang on a second. Oh, the emotions. Oh yeah. Because, uh, when I shut down my perception, um, of other knowledges and as much as I possibly could, from the time I was seven and I completely stopped talking about it um, mm -hmm. because it, I, I could see the trajectory of, you know, in, in that era, what going in being kind of institutionalized as a schizophrenic or whatever. Yes. Every, everything that my mother watched, all the media that my mother consumed, I studied her because I needed to know what I was in for, you know? And mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, okay, if I keep talking like this, this is her worldview. All right. I need to shut up and just deal with this quietly. Um, yeah. And there again was a little bit of digression. I have a mom. It's all, it's all weaving it's together. Mm. Huh? I, I was just saying, uh, don't worry about it. I feel like it's all weaving together like a tapestry. Yeah. Well, and oh, yeah, it's what Leo taught me. Um, he, uh, I, when, when I started coming back, online like it wasn't me coming back online it was coming through to me I could not avoid it and I my myasthenia gravis kicked in and I was completely bedridden in the most excruciating pain it was a complete prison of mind I literally couldn't do anything other than excavate the horror and bullshit and fake programming and you know, all the burdens that I've been carrying, I had to process it. It laid me out for five weeks. I, I had to have in, in no position, standing, lying, sitting, no amount of cushioning, being in a bath, nothing helped. I was just in excruciating pain. I had to have Lorenzo literally help me move my body to get in or out of bed. And I could attend to myself, but it was horrible. Um, and, uh, um, okay. Why am I talking about that? Oh, when I was coming back online, Oh, it was terrifying. And mm -hmm. I kept, I would describe 
that I was the realizations that I was coming to what I was remembering in the connections, what I originally started seeing weren't so much memories as connections between uh, issues that I had had a hard time understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that led me to like real memories. And when I have a memory, it's more when I reach an understanding or a readiness for understanding, uh, I'm kind of dropped into a very emotionally charged, significant moment, like a pivot point or an, or a, a coming together point sometimes, but it's a significant point and it has something to show me. And it's not a memory like, okay, it's, you know, the year 1066 and I'm living in whatever Shire, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I, I see the people, I, I see my surroundings and the connections that are happening um, with the land itself, the trees, I mean, like, I see the whole thing. It's not human centric. And I know who I am in, in the same way where, uh, the first time someone slams a door in your face and that shock you feel, you don't think, Oh, I'm Phoebe. I'm 33 years old and didn't, you know, like marriage, but you just know all that stuff, but there's something Mm -hmm. instructive in the moment, you know? So that's how my memories are. So it's more about roles. And so when I meet a friend again, a new (laughs) (laughs) they don't look the same there's very rarely dialogue uh but I know who everyone is it's when people say that oh I have a dream and it was it was you but it wasn't you like yeah Mm -hmm. it was another time right yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's like that yeah that is amazing um And, and so oh I still haven't gotten around to Leo and his wisdom. He's taught me so much and I just keep blabbing about myself, but what he did to help so much. And I do want to share it because it'll be really helpful to people is I would say, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. And he, he had the most calming voice and his eyes were just like liquid love and his hands were like so strong and tender, like, mighty tenderness amazing and he would just say brambles you have heightened energy you are willing to experience the world more intensely than most people most people don't experience the world that way because they're afraid but you're not afraid your senses are heightened when you feel this way examine it Fear is going to hit you and drive you into action. If all you're doing is spinning around in your mind, that's not fear. It's heightened energy and you've got to figure out something else to do with it. And one of the things that he did, he absolutely was a midwife to me maintaining any kind of sanity He was a midwife to any shred of sanity I could have had because he would spend hours and he had a 
sarcoidosis, emphysema, and pulmonary hypertension was operating at 10% lung capacity. He was working full-time as a social worker while raising a teenage daughter alone. And he would listen to me for hours every night as I would have these recollections and these visions and visitations and my guides all jumbling in now that I finally was opening my ears like it was a fucking cacophony and some of them are sarcastic assholes and you know like Uh he, he would listen to me go on and on for hours and when I was having all this come in I would be ravenous and would eat massive amounts of food. And generally speaking, since I've had leukemia a couple of times, I'm really not into food anymore. I don't like sweets. Uh, even food that I do like, I take a few bites and I'm just tired, you know, blah. Uh, but I would just become ravenous. And whether I liked it or not, I had to shove down my throat. But because he was there, like I would get up at three in the morning and make chicken pakora with a really nice sauce. Uh, because just because I wanted to shove anything down my gullet and would have consumed like a quart of cottage cheese, I don't care. I wanted to make something lovely for him. So this, I, this is a really funny anecdote. And this is a story about how laughter is so healing and laughter is every bit the, um, the catalyst for growth and healing and progression as suffering. You know, at not every lesson has to be learned at the expense of pain. So uh, so I'm, I, I go and I make three pounds of chicken pakora and I have it in a couple of pie dishes and I have sauces and I turn on the bedside light because I already, like I didn't even have to ask anymore. I know he wouldn't care and I, I, of course, he wanted to have some because he loves my cooking. And I was saying, so based on what I was seeing, I, it's not my understanding of spaceships, but definitely I was part of another <laughs> planet. I didn't live on another planet. I was actually the planet, like part of the, I wasn't the whole planet, but I was part of the planet. And it was a rescue operation. I was extracted and it wasn't spaceships, but Jaime was there and Blood was there and yada, yada, yada. And Kimmy, that bitch, still wouldn't listen to a thing I said. And it wasn't like, it was like you were holding open the portal, but also then maybe it was like you were the portal. And what I'm wondering is, do you have any past life understanding of aliens? Do you think you've had contact with aliens? Because I'm trying to figure out what it was that I was seeing. And he looked at me like with his mouth a gate for a good long while and he said babe I think I'm having alien contact right now I think I railed another alien about an hour ago (laughs) and it just totally cracked me up because he does have past life memories but they're all from Africa and
New year, new ad. Welcome to 2022. I want to tell you a little bit about my services. I do a variety of oracle readings, animal communication, expansion coaching, consciousness anchoring, and grief mediumship support. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'll just move right on to the Patreon, which is a darn good deal, because here's the deal with that. There's a $5, 10 and $20 tier. All tiers receive 50% off all of my services all the time. Unlimited discount. As well, the $10 tier gets full access to all content, including all previously recorded content from the last three months. And you would think with only three months, I wouldn't have that much. But boy, there's plenty up there. It would take you a while to get through it, to be honest. So there's plenty to watch and listen to and absorb and learn from. As well, on the $20 tier, my VIPs get a free service every month. So that is like a 75% discount on some of my services. If you would like to have me as a guest on your podcast or you would like to be a guest on mine, go to my booking link through my link tree and book a podcast interview. If you have a good or service or healing art or intuitive practice that you would like to trade with me for one of my services, let's start the new economy with bartering, shall we? So go book a trade, go book a podcast interview, go book a service and go join the Patreon at Grooving Goddess on Patreon. You will have to go do it in a browser because you can't find it uh, in the app due to the fact that I have it marked 18 plus. So if you would like to join the Patreon, go do that there. And boy, we just can't wait to have you there. The Patreon has grown so fast in the last few months and I know we're just going to keep growing. So come join the Xanadu party and learn more about yourself, space weather, grid work, consciousness expansion, time manipulation and perception and much, much more. Sorry Hello. about that. I knew we would have some kind of weirdness just because of uh, the solar activity in the Schumann. It's been affecting technology. Yeah, so. well, um, so I, because like I said, there's a lot of weird energy and everything. I came over here and I took, I put on a black and gold sequined ball gown and um, took a walk up and down the road and took some pictures of configurations that looked interesting to me. Uh, They're really lovely kind of otherworldly pictures. And um, then I went back in the house. I was gone maybe 10 minutes. Then later on, I tried to go to the store for something. I didn't realize how late it was. And there were a couple of police that were here, but they were not from this locality. They were from the city. And this is like county. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And some individual was earlier this morning claiming to be doing an investigation wearing a hoodie. Like, it's really weird. So when things get weird like that, um, my daughter and the babies can stay safe in the house and crazy granny will go take a walk and just, you know, I don't know. I ha- I carry my own protection with me 
in my mm-hmm. ability to be fearless and I don't do anything to risk anyone else but like it's also it gives them something to laugh at because I showed up and everyone was really scared and I brought ingredients to make cheesecake and I brought costumes for everybody and um, a speaker so we can have a dance party and I brought this massive like 15 inch quartz crystal point um, that someone gave me as a gift 15 minutes after meeting me. Uh, We're going to bury it in the garden and create a big bonfire over it and uh, excavate it whenever it seems to make sense and see what we see. And, you know, and I dance around like a goofy, weird old lady and it lightens (laughs) energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm here and there's weirdness going on. And I did go out and check and I'm making sure everything's okay. But part of what I'm providing and one of the things that I love about being a grandma, like everything really is on my own terms. But like, because I'm just chill, I love these kids, but I don't have the daily grind. Uh, I'm just more relaxed and I bring that energy. And they mm-hmm. see that I'm not scared. And, you know, Sarah's relaxing more and more by the hour and laughing. And uh, we're having a good time. <laughs> well, that sounds amazing. And I'm glad that you have all that going on. I, you know, I think, I don't know if and when I will get to experience the grandma thing, but um, I can see having moved on to the next phase of motherhood where they're, you know, late teens and hurtling towards adulthood, uh, that you do have a different feel when you're not the primary, um, parent, the primary caregiver, the one responsible for everything. Right. Um, and, and I do with your own kids. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah, sure. Um, I, my own children, um, are 30 and 25 now and Mm -hmm. they're really amazing individuals uh my son I have long past life history with my daughter we have traveled in the same circles I don't really like to say karmic circles because I don't Mm -hmm. really like what people mean by karma or just the assumptions that they make when you use that word but I'll I say she traveled on the perimeter. We traveled on the perimeters of one another's karmic circles. Uh, and, um, but my daughter had never really been genetically related to me either. Uh, my son, absolutely. The husband, my, um, my daughter's father, I've definitely been genetically related uh, to him. And, well, I don't need to sit here like some Old Testament whack job. <laughs> but, but, you know, my, my stuff is similar, too, because I have uh, I wonder sometimes about it. I mean, there were many eras and ages before, let's say, the last 200 years Um but the like my mother, my grandmother, um, both of my sons, I there's all of this overlap and like, oh, now we're back in this configuration. Right. 
people. And my mother and my grandmother, especially uh, going farther back, we, we seem to find ourselves um, either as, you know, the, the mystic in the woods that might get accused of witchcraft right. and uh, hiding away in a convent because that was a good place to uh, be a mystic, but be safe from persecution. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It you know? was pretty popular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, so- it does get confusing, though, honestly, um, to remember too specifically. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's been tricky for me because as I said, I have always understood myself to have a mission and I don't even really have words to clearly define it. It's just that I remember stuff and I know how things could be easier, uh, how things really work. And I'm not trying to really convince anyone um, to believe my version of Uh, reincarnation or whatever, because my understanding is that there are numerous pathways to existence and, you know, everything really literally is recycled and we've all tried Mm -hmm. out so many different roles. And like, I don't laugh uh, at people who claim to be Cleopatra along with other 18,000 people who were Cleopatra, because you know what, uh, the stories there are different versions of the bible because someone will come along or a group of people will come along with a fascinating story and you know in your head when you read these tales you're like well if i were king arthur i would have whatever and Mm -hmm. so yeah numerous people have tried it out we all have lent our stamp to whatever story captures us if there's a story that you are captivated by, it's because you, you're invested in it. You have put a piece of yourself there and there's like dancing around the fire and sharing stories and passing stories along uh, is uh, it's a way of the story evolving. Like it's why the Jews, they took the Torah, but then they continued to make commentary like, well, yes, what does it mean? And they recorded uh, conflicting opinions and, you know, updated as necessary. And uh, Mm -hmm. the advent of writing is an amazing technology to disseminate information and to help spur progress. But when, when it started getting confused um that it if it's in a book it's more valid and right they started to trap ideas in books rather than like every book should be a reference book um novels everything fantasy and uh it's just a stepping off point and and when you record something and then hold the actual record rather than the human or the, or the living dynamic going on, and you, you have to go look in a book to figure out how to stop polluters from polluting, well, that's madness. 
I, mm. I don't remember what we were talking about. I, I get really impassioned about certain things and digress. <laughs> I feel okay. like I started out to make a completely different point. <laughs> um, well, we've been talking about, you know, it's like, uh, and first of all, I wanted to just throw out there because uh, Phoebe and I are sort of like veterans of the first wave is part of how I look at it because mm -hmm. you and I both came in very early. We came in not forgetting much. We came in having that strong connection. And then part of, I think, retaining, this is just my personal theory, but part of retaining that was having a lot of the early traumas because it yeah. prevented us from forgetting Right. And so, um, and it, it, it allowed us to anchor all of that energy in very early before we had any, uh, you know, words or language or what you're talking about or, or the right. um, full understanding as a human. But um, I just wanted to, you know, mention that part of the reason, I mean, of course I am, and also so sorry for your loss of your, your close, close yeah, what he was friend. my love, he was my husband. I mean, we weren't yeah. actually married, but we were yeah. we were both in it for life. And uh, yeah, just that, that was that we, we didn't get around to putting that particular plan, but it wasn't necessary, you know. Yes, I understand. Really. And 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 you know, and also sorry for all of the shitty objectifiably shitty things that happened but part of the reason that that neither Phoebe or I are focusing on that is because we both kind of consider that all part of our experience we've both done our work around those things and have come to you know not even a place of forgiveness necessarily but just like understanding all of the roles that everybody was playing and being able to walk forward fully just setting it down giving it back to the earth not allowing it to be uh any sort of a, a an extreme force in our lives it's just part of our story so I just wanted to throw that out there because I think sometimes when people who are still going through the process of understanding what happens or um you know doing whatever they require to move on from that trauma and be able to heal that they can like, you know, we can sound sort of um, matter of fact about things that other people are like, how can they be so matter of fact about these things, you know? And so yeah. that's how. Well, I that... can tell you specifically how I can be very matter of fact about things because mm -hmm. uh, my, um, one of my, great grandmothers uh, that I spent time with. She didn't speak a great deal. She was just really in tune with nature and she was just a very busy woman and she had a calming energy. But sometimes I would ask her about the things that I saw. And um, she told me that I was born under a restless, skeptical shadow and that uh, I, I don't remember her words, but, but it was something to the effect of, 
to not try too hard to seek to be understood. She put it in a Uh much more homely way, but she, you know, and Mm -hmm. then she said, the thing to remember is only take that which is freely and cheerfully given. Um, Don't seek to manipulate or impose your will on someone to get what you want and, you know, turn your face toward the sun step by step. And that's your protection. And uh, my objective in life is to me, love is the only force. It's the only power. It's, it's limiting though. I mean, as a human being, currently love is a concept that people can relate to, but basically vitality. I, I, I want to remain connected to vitality and I can only do that with people through love because people can often be shitty and I don't want to be shitty. Now Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to portray myself as some kind of innocent, delicate creature. My behavior has not always been above reproach. Um, mm-hmm. and I have hurt people mostly when I've hurt people through misunderstanding and I've had the best of intentions, but, um, as my understanding has evolved of myself and the stories I told myself about myself, trying to be a good person and do things better than my parents, um, <clears throat> It was really limiting and I, it's so easy for me to, to become full of resentment and anger and fear and shame. And, uh, I, I did seek to try to become understood and thought that if I read enough and studied enough and gave enough and did enough and provided enough nurturing and love and food and sex and whatever drugs, what do you need? (laughs) You know, Uh um, like if I could give enough, then people would finally get it. That love is really the only thing that matters. And yeah, you bump up against each other. I was trying to set an example, uh, not because I thought I was better than the other person, but because I wanted to show them, yeah, you hurt me, but look, I still love you. But I don't Mm -hmm. think they really could conceive of what my love meant. They, for whatever reason, they weren't at the place that they could see. I really did just love them. I, and, um, so I have done some mean spirited things, but I never sought to take anything from someone or, you know, I, I did kind of control through over nurturing. And I started to Mm -hmm. see how controlling that is and how it played into those games. Now, the horrible things that people did to me, the very cruel, violent and stealing and, you know, the sexual transgressions, all of that, Mm -hmm. that was wrong. And that's on them to try to figure out what to do with it. I didn't do it to them. So I have provided love. And recently there are people who consider me to be some kind of adversary and, you know, again, are actively and openly hostile and don't have a great deal of power to really 
harm me, I suppose, but the animosity hurts me because I really do love those individuals. And mm. um, society will look at one of the other of them as, you know, well, I would completely understand if you hated her. And there was one individual within the last couple months who I screamed that I hate you. <laughs> and I meant it mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, but the thing is, uh, she's going through her own journey. And in her eyes, it's a hero's journey. And her battle against me is in her, like, it means something to her. It's very valuable to her, obviously. And, but it's not me. And I, I, I'm not immune to the anger and the resentment and the outrage and feeling victimized. I, I went through all that. Um, but the circumstances of, you know, Leo's uh, getting ill and dying, um, uh, were really traumatic, uh, hang on a second, I just need to bring myself, um, in connection, um, anyway, uh, they, it's, I'm in the stepmother role, and there's a lot of pain, and a lot of, you know, family, it's really easy to blame the stepmother as an outsider and project a lot of unhealed family trauma. And that's the role I'm serving. So it's not Uh that it doesn't hurt me personally. It's just that I am serving as a kind of mirror and that I will do. I will not talk to you. I will block your number and all your social media, not because I don't like you, but because that energy is not welcome in my sphere. If you want to use me as some kind of screen, okay, but it will be just that. It will be a screen. And I have screened my heart from concern over them. Um, When I say that, that doesn't mean I don't care about them because ultimately this is what I wish. And this is my genuine wish. Even while I kind of deplore their behavior, I, I admire the tenacity to keep on fighting, fighting, uh, whatever they're going to come up with. I think it's going to become glorious. I, I've known those individuals and they're reckless in their own way. But what I would really love if they want it is for just a wash of love to gently come like warm water, you know, just like the waters Mm -hmm. of earth and ever flowing, beautiful, inspiring color and just open their eyes to the joy that's right there because they truly are indomitable, strong, creative, tenacious individuals. And um, unfortunately, when they're hostile, you know, they bring a lot of power to bear. And if they choose to reach for healing and for progression, then an expansion, then they're going to be glorious. I'm not going to be around to watch, but I'm okay with that. I've had enough of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's like, 
not everybody, you know, that old saying of some are meant for life, some are meant for a season, some are for a reason. And it it doesn't, you know, you're not necessarily meant, you don't need to be in constant communication with someone for your energetic contract or your purpose in their life to be uh, carried out. You know, we can have boundaries with ourselves and uh the one thing I wanted to jump back to before we get um you know close to wrapping it up was uh I too remember being in the womb I really what was it like for you well for me I mean it it was like it, it was a lot of I mean, I was really aware of what was happening outside. And I don't know if that is because I was so connected to my mother, who even right. though she was 14 at the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, she was, you know, she loved me. She wanted me. But there was a lot that transpired when I was in the in the womb. And so right. it's like I literally had trauma before I even came out. And then because my father died six weeks before I was born, um, I remembered going to his funeral um, and, and, you know, her feelings and emotions and the things people with her and such. And which, I mean, talk about freaking out the grownups because, you know, I'm like two, three years old telling them, telling my mom things that happened when she was pregnant with me and I had of knowing and they had never talked about, but the, the most vivid part of all of it was, uh, that I didn't want to be born. (laughs) I'm not not coming. And so my mother, um, and, and this was all kind of, it correlated with the actual real life medical stuff that was happening because she had a real labor being so young um so she had to come get me because I was there where you make the transition uh uh, a child and being born you know as a baby again and it was like this wonderful happy school sort of place with these nice teachers and care caretakers who would be kind of preparing us to be going and being born and I did not want to leave and so yeah she had to come up there and get me and then, and then and this is so literal, but this is really what it felt like. Is uh, so she she convinced me it was gonna be okay, which you know there are yeah. times of my life like you lied. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, anyway, she took my hand and we just kind of um, jumped and went down the slide, and and then that's when I remember seeing light of the world for the first time yeah oh yeah oh you know my son I'm just I'm just I've as I'm listening to you I've been like my heart's been softening um thinking about how connected we are and really I have I have pre-birth privilege big time my son on the other hand he was traumatized um I was unmarried and became and um I I got exposed to pregnancy in some one-off 
and I caught it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, it, there was no connection. I had just come back from bumming around Europe. I was working part-time in a daycare, like completely listless. And um, yeah, I, I knew like within 36 hours, it completely slammed my body and it opened up my vision again, which was terrifying. I, Oh, wow. Yeah. That must've been uh, really, when I was alone, I couldn't turn it off. If I was in a room with other people, I was okay. So I was living with my mom, but my mom was like at the time drinking a lot and just engaging and she was just kind of reckless. And it was, it was weird. I don't, I really loved her. And though we had a, I had bad teenage years. Like by the time I was 17, I, I had come to peace and really appreciate her, but, um, she was in a dark place. And, um, anyway, uh, so I went to stay with a friend. I just could not be on my own. And anytime someone would walk out of the room, I would immediately start bawling. Um, so, it was really in the dreams I was having, like, I saw, like, the tryouts, you know, because there is a malleable soul, like, not tryouts to try out, uh, that I was trying them out, they were all welcome, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, like, trying out, or do we want in on this right now, <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Yeah. Like the souls aren't necessarily always nailed down. And I'm not, it's not Mm -hmm. like a right to life debate. What happens in the womb is perfect and uh, private and personal. Like Mm -hmm. it really, it's super private and it's a collaborative effort. So anyway, I don't want to get into that. But anyway, and um, there were some dreams that I have of children um, who like, I had had before anyway, Henry, I was going to have twins. It was a a boy and a girl. And uh, I was just terrified because I also had agreed apparently to have three kids. Um, And I was like, oh my God, okay, fine. So I only have to like go through pregnancy one more time, but really twins right off the bat and I'm alone. And, um, so I was really terrified, but by the time I went back for my, uh, 20 week, um, ultrasound, cause I wasn't really going to the doctor. I was just so horrified. I didn't want to listen to all the little heartbeats in there. It sent me into complete panic attacks. I mean, like I said, I had PTSD Mm -hmm. because I feel like. I have this objective and nobody's listening to me and I feel like stupid and like, maybe I am crazy, you know? So Mm -hmm. all this stuff is coming and I can't avoid it. And it was terrifying to me. So, but anyway, I did go in to have uh, an ultrasound and he had absorbed the other one. Uh, And Another anecdote about that, he was a very imaginative child, also completely speaking in complex, fluid sentences and paragraphs by 18 months old and memorizing like really long songs and constantly serenading the world. Um, Well, he was serenading (laughs) his own heart, really. 
but mm-hmm. uh, he um, he was three years old and I was working for a gynecologist. And so he was asking all kinds of questions about pregnancy and I was showing him the diagrams and how babies got here. And so one day he declared that he had a baby in his uterus and her name was Lucy. And he would talk about Lucy all the time. And a friend of mine asked him, well, when is Lucy ever going to come out? And he said, oh, I'm never going to let her out because she has too much energy and she might get run out in the street and get hit by a car. Wow. And, And, uh, He would talk about how it was, you know, she was just so loud in there. And that's another reason why he couldn't let her be born because he wanted to keep her safe because she was way too loud. So, I mean, and the, the, that is wild. (laughs) The female, yeah, it is wild. Like it's super creepy. And the female energy that I had was really you know, when people start to first feel little flutters, like they're like, it's like butterflies. It felt Mm -hmm. like I had seven lizards skittering around in my room. (laughs) It was so creepy. It was so creepy. And then like, I, and I think it was just this, I don't know. It was weird. There was a battle. There was a battle. (laughs) Sounds like it. Wow. but also Henry was a sweet, tender little fairy child. And he always thought about, well, when he encountered a dead bird and I talked about the afterlife being malleable and it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book. He really ran with that and came up with this whole kingdom that he was creating. <laughs> and, um, and uh, who, anyway, so he was very feminine and when he grew up he was going to be a woman and so he did really incorporate that and it's not you know he comes across as very masculine and kind of authoritative in many ways but he's also super creative and sensitive and emotionally tender and expressive in ways that you know aren't necessarily easily for young men not even millennials you know especially mm-hmm. not in the hick town I raised them in it was like, like <laughs> right. it was called paradise California and it was not everything its name promised it was basically like <laughs> South Park without the humor it was just, yeah <laughs> I there were so many fucking churches in that place and mm-hmm. there were like maybe 27,000 people and they had massive huge churches and they were always full like the Mormons had two churches in town and they ran two shifts every Sunday like how how are like where are all these I, I don't know it was just it was a weird place um but there were there were great things about raising kids there too and mm-hmm. it, it worked out well but yeah I don't know um I was really uh terrified by that but I don't think my point was to talk about how terrifying pregnancy was I think we were just kind of talking <laughs> about um yeah oh no but it, no because uh talking about Lucy is, and then there's the obvious like correlation with Lucifer and um uh-huh. oh, <laughs> so 
like literally ate his dark side, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is, that is wild. Um, Yeah. Well, your, your life, I mean, your life is just fascinating and you are always, you're very poetic in the way you storytell and you've made so many great points in here about different ways to perceive our life experience, um, spiritual awakening or expansion, all of those things, perceptions of time, perceptions of uh, the roles we play in different human experiences with each other. And, and um, you know, how, how do we wrap that up with a big bow? I don't know that we can because yeah. I know I'm still growing and changing and I'm yeah. sure you feel the same way. Well, I would like to emphasize one particular point. I think I made some, you know, um, meaningful observations, at least meaningful to me. But what I really want to emphasize is um, truly uh, we have learned enough as a consciousness um, from pain and suffering. There's nothing new to be learned from continued suffering. And, uh, laughter and hard work you know just focus on cleaning up your own side of the street and turn your face to the sun and find snatch joy in every moment um because Mm -hmm. laughing really is it it gives courage it if you focus on it like if you're really laughing a belly laugh that's your center of courage So Mm -hmm. we need to laugh more, complain less, work more and laugh. Um, And, you know, I, I'm a Virgo. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you Virgos ruining my Taurus fun of doing nothing. (laughs) But what do you mean? Have a ton of sex too. Like I'm an earth goddess. Like fuck away. Like get it. Get it. But, Um, you know. But that no, that is as much and mm-hmm. have a little more fun for fuck's sake. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. I think people they get a little diverted by the idea of being more supernatural uh, or having more abilities or superpowers or those things, and they forget that uh, we are here to have this human experience and material reality, and part of being expanded in your consciousness part of having a greater understanding of things is is being able to be present with what you're doing and find the joy in simple things yeah it really is because then the the work you know do like cleaning cleaning your house building things creating whatever it is whatever actions you are doing to express your energy in the world that is part of your spiritual practice. I mean, it all becomes your life becomes that thing. And that's like my grandma's wisdom to me was always um, because I would ask her, but what am I supposed to do while I'm here? You know, because I family that did understand all of this stuff and talked about it a lot. But, uh-huh. um, but she would she just, she tried to tell me this over and over again. And I don't even think I fully understood it until I was about 30 to 40 like it was a decade-long process of figuring it out but she would tell me all you need to do is be 
just you simply being yeah. is enough. And, and, right. you know, even if I had never started a podcast or never done any of these other things that I'm doing now, that just me being that is enough. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you were talking about uh, earlier about um, trying to give people enough everything to yeah. um, e- express that and to be understood and that you were never going to be understood. And that's that is um, so relevant, especially, I think, to us first waivers and as Gen Xers yeah. that we had um, we had this 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 mission that we felt like we we needed to be here doing but it got warped by the programming that we had to be these machines that met all these needs for other people um, in order for us to be doing that and so I think a lot of us over the last you know 10 to 15 years have evolved to this place now where we realize no all I have to do is just live my life and do the things that make me happy and so for me right now the podcast and the intuitive services and the things that I'm doing is what makes me happy. But I reserve the right at any given time to be like, well, I've taught you all as much as I feel like teaching you. And now I want to go do this other thing that makes me happy. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and, and whichever thing I'm doing just by being and doing that, that is my job. Right. I am anchoring that that love frequency. I am spreading that joy in the world. And that's what you're doing, too, I feel like. And the core essential work is within you work on your relationships, Mm -hmm. primarily with Mm -hmm. yourself and uh, then with others. And um, if you can't interact with someone as some kind of at least, um, not necessarily ally, but like a, an equal worthy counterpart, then just, you know, back up. It's, uh, yeah, you don't have to get along with everyone. And, but just because you don't get along with them doesn't mean you have to fight with them either. Yeah. Just and like the other people realize- talk about this stuff and I'm like, you know, it's weird. I just, I let people go when they're no longer meant to be part of my life. And right, even right. in a small town like this, somehow I never run into them. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? It's like yeah, they just become yeah. invisible in my story. And, right. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think I have speechified enough. <laughs> well, if anyone would like to reach out to you can they email me and let me know oh, or yeah, do you, sure. yeah. yeah they can okay. email you all right that sounds great because I understand you want to stay a little more anonymous and thank you so much for coming on really and and another thing I wanted to throw out there that's funny you talk about your mom dragging you all kinds of places that now would be like abuse and trauma right same my mom was very young, right? So right. I was at all the parties. I I would be like five years old going to the bar with my parents right. and um, they would like shimmy up. They would put a chair in front of the pinball machine and I would play pinball while they were dancing and hanging out with their friends and drinking and stuff. Yeah. And it was like totally normal back then. So I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And there were definitely 
places that I was and saw things that I probably shouldn't have. But at the same time, like I knew what was up in the world and I always felt safe with my mom, just like you were talking about. So such interesting parallels. It is. My mom owned a shitty dive bar. She named it the speakeasy. It was seriously the piece (laughs) of shit hole in the wall. But people loved my mother. And so, uh, you know, in a really economically depressed area of Northern Mm -hmm. California, just like horrible. And um, Mm -hmm. I would be in there at like 10, 11, 13 years old. Um, She'd give me money to play the video poker. And I'd gamble, Uh like I'd play dice with people in there to win money. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, all so the bar patrons got together because there was a wig shop next door, and I wanted this rainbow wig. So all the drunks in the bar pulled together to buy me a fucking wig. Like it was great. <laughs> you know, and it's so funny because and I, I know other people hear this floor, and you know, like, <laughs> clean up after drunks. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I used to go. uh help at my grandparents um booth at the uh flea market and here's the thing i think part of the reason why our 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 early lives are so parallel is that i grew up in palo alto i grew up in northern california yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's just it was just kind of like part of this hippie vibe thing but you know i'm grateful for it because i know it all got me here oh. Oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you another parallel that we have is actually my birth. My mom named me Andrea. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's a lovely name. I really liked my name, but nobody really called me Andrea. They always called me Andy and that didn't feel like me. And mm, so I mm-hmm. just, I decided when I was six years old that I was um, going to change my name someday. I was going to come up with my own name. And um, Phoebe is not the one I came up with actually uh, it's an aka I use just for online purposes but um, yeah I came up with a completely new middle mm-hmm. first middle and last name um, and I'm still very proud of my family and um, you know at first it kind of hurt my dad's feelings but then he's like yeah but it is you and your new, new your new name suits you much better. You, you <laughs> oh, that's so fun. We so, were just yeah, these but weird no, little my kids. Mom named me Andrea because uh, it was the character in a novel that uh, she read, and she really liked the character. It was kind of a minor character, but one that she just felt really taken with. So I oh, mean, I wow. love <laughs> That's fantastic. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you so much, Phoebe. I really appreciate it. And I know that others are going to enjoy your story and get a lot out of it as well. So much wisdom today. I feel fully enriched. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, I love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Cats and kittens, let me tell you about Meow Podcast on YouTube. This is our collaboration between myself, Andrea Land, Grieving Goddess, and Serafina of Fraggle Ing with Serafina. It's hard to believe that we have been doing Meow Podcast, M-E-O-W-W, on YouTube for almost a year now. Watch for a lot of exciting upcoming events this year. We host a global panel discussion and healing conversations about topics including metaphysical, sociopolitical, health, 
really all about aspects of human and non-human life. So come join us on Meow Podcast. Please like, subscribe, hit that alarm button so that you get notifications of our episodes when they drop. We have many guests from Grooving Goddess and also from Fraggling with Serafina, as well as entirely different guests that you're not going to get on other podcasts. So come listen, watch, and enjoy Meow Podcast today. You can also find and follow our page on Instagram, the Meow Podcast, and send us a DM if you would like to be on the show, or you have any questions or comments, or just want to say howdy. So come on down and strut your stuff with us cats and kittens in these healing conversations. Meow Podcast. It's not a vibe. It's a frequency. told you that was going to be highly interesting and it was also funny and heartwarming and shocking at times. I'm glad I put a content warning on here and the records do that because I know even though she and I are, as we said in the episode, very matter of fact about a lot of things that not everyone is in that place. So uh, thank you everyone for stopping by and listening. And you know where you can find me, all the places, my link tree, to book a session, go to my link tree, to join the Patreon, go to my link tree, and uh, follow me on the socials if you want to stay up to date with solar and space weather and what that means for the current consciousness expansion energy. I do still read cards, believe it or not. I just don't do it online very much because uh, I only have so much free content that I'm capable of putting out. And right now, the main focus is the space weather and the shooting because that is a much more accurate tool for me to be able to tell you what's going on. So thank you for being here and I love you so much and I, fingers crossed, episode's going to be a little more reliable now. I just, I needed to finish healing and all that good stuff and I'll fill fill you in on kind of what's been up with me for the last few months and the changes that have happened and are happening Uh, and you'll, you'll be like, damn girl, no wonder. So, uh, but it's all good though. Anyway, um, I love you all, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Phoebe, for being on here. And we did it, guys. We're, like, so much closer to Xanadu. Really, I promise. Also, sorry, I keep trying to remember to say folks instead of guys. You know, give an old broad a break. I do the best I can. I truly do. And I think most of you know me, and you know that if I say something cringy, it's not because I don't give a shit. It's just because I am human. So with that, here you go, taking us out with Xanadu. Xanadu.